It's my prayer that as we open his word today, he himself will come down and teach us as to how we can receive the latter rain. I will ask you to bow with me as we invite the Lord. Before we open the word, let's open our heart first through prayer. Almighty Father, we thank you so much. What a privilege to be part of the day that you have blessed and sanctified. What an awesome privilege to be in the presence of the king of the universe. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for choosing us. And we thank you for making us being faithful to your command to observe this day. Father in heaven, as we open your words today, spiritual things are spiritual design. Unless you be with me, I thank you that you remember that I'm a dust. And without your strength and power, there is nothing good in me. So I pray that you be with me and you put your words in my mouth. Give me the right idea, the right sequence of thought I ask. Open the hearts and the minds of your people and let us know you through your word today. Let one name alone be glorified today and that is the name of Jesus. In his name, we offer this prayer from our hearts. Amen. Amen. My message is entitled, Abina and Fapa. Abina and Fapa. For the sake of spelling, it's in the, your Bible, by the way, but for the sake of spelling, Abena is A-B-A-N-A, and Papa is P-H-A-R-P-A-R. Amen? Abena and Papa. The message is based on the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5. The book of 2 Kings, chapter 5. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Kings, chapter 5. But before that, perhaps I need to give you a historical setting to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. On the political scene, Ben-Hada, the king of Syria, has defeated Israel in the battle that resulted the death of Ahab, the king of Israel. Ahab has disobeyed God and has disobeyed his commands and instructions. God instructed Ahab to destroy Ben-Hada. But Ahab refused to follow the instructions and the direction of his Lord. So Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, came and defeated Israel. After the defeat, the Syrians unleashed a constant border intimidation and warfare against Israel. And as a result, they took some of the Israelites into captivity. After the death of Ahab, Joram, the son of Ahab, took over the throne of Israel. So that is the setting on the political scene. On the religious scene, God who punishes disobedience also rewards obedience. Somebody say amen. amen. So Elijah, the prophet of God, has led his life so well and obeyed the ways and the command of God and God has translated Elijah without seeing death. And Elisha, the servant of Elijah, has served Elijah so faithful that before Elijah left, 
he gave Elisha a double portion of his spirit. And it is understood that the, the ministry of Elisha is a type of Christ. Like Elisha is a prefigure of Christ. It is not by mistake that the forerunner of Elisha is also a type of the forerunner of Jesus. Are you with me? So Elijah, the forerunner of Elisha, is a type of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. Another interesting thing is that before Elisha started his ministry, Elisha came out from Jordan with a blessing by his forerunner, Elijah, before he started his ministry. Are you following me? And Jesus, before he started his ministry, came out from the same Jordan with a blessing of his forerunner, John the Baptist. So there is kind of um, a typology between the ministry of Elisha and that of Christ. And it's not my mistake that Jesus started his ministry with a miracle, and Elisha also started his ministry with a miracle. So Elisha is considered as a type of Christ. He did so many miracles. One of them was to help a woman in debt. The woman was in debt, and his two sons were about to be taken into bondage, into slavery, to serve, to pay that debt. So he resorted to Elisha, and through God's grace, he was delivered from his financial debt. I don't know what your financial situation is, but if you can trust the God of Elisha, I know that he will deliver you from your financial difficulties. He also... Um, he also was a blessing to a Shunammite woman who had been asking for a baby for so long a time. And this woman who was old was able to deliver to have a son. At the same time, Elisha did one miracle by making a poison stew turn edible. Another miracle Elisha did was also to feed many people with a few um, 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 food available. So we see that Elisha started his ministry with a miracle. But one of the miracles that Elisha did is what I want us to consider this evening. As we go through our, um, um, what do you call it, our um, ECYC conference revived us again. Turn with me with your Bibles to the book of Second Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. The Bible says in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, Now Naaman, the captain of host of king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord has given deliverance to Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. The Bible introduced a man called Naaman. And it says, this man, Naaman, he was a captain of host of Israel, of Syria. If we are considering somebody being the captain of host in our time, perhaps we may say he is the army commander of Canadian armed force. Are you with me? 
He was the one behind the military plan and the invasion and, and, and the destruction of other nations. He was a captain of the host of Israel. And not only that, the Bible says this man was a great man, perhaps a great man in battle. He did not become the captain of host of Israel because he was the old, the old army uh, person in, 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 in the army of Syria. He was somebody whose achievement speaks for itself. He was a great man, a great man in battle. Because by him, many nations has fallen to his feet. At the same time, Naaman did not only get respect from his co-military persons, but also he was an honorable person. Meaning he, has he got the respect and he was highly esteemed by the civilians of Syria. Are you with me? So Naaman's achievement speaks for itself. Not only that. But the Bible also described this man that he was a mighty man of valor, meaning he is count among the Gideons and the Davids. Naaman was a great man. If Naaman was living in our day, most parents would want us to be like him. If Naaman was in our church, he would be somebody that we should look up to. He has lived maybe what we call, or he has achieved what we call the Canadian dream or the American dream. He was indeed a powerful man. What would a man need when he is the captain of the host of Syria? What else should a man lack when he is a great man in battle? What else does a man need to get again if he gets the respect and, the, and he's highly esteemed by his nation? What, what else does a man need again when he's a mighty man of valor? Naaman has really lived a life that we will consider that he has achieved all what a man should achieve. But when we read our scripture, the Bible says, but he was a leper. So as Naaman walked through the street of Syria, and he got all the applause and the respect. He got all the standing ovation when he goes to uh, conferences and goes to events. And when Naaman walked through the street of Syria and got all this respect, and everybody's looking up to this man, and when Naaman gets home and puts his soul on the wall and his shield on this side and take off his military attire, he come to a realization that I am a leper. Yes, he has all the respect from the people. Yes, some people even sit back and say, this man don't need anything. But when this man goes home and, and, and take off his military attire, he comes to the realization that he is a leper. At times, because of the military attire we wear, we, we, we wear, we forget that we have a leper. So we go home and take that military attire off. Friends of God, perhaps all of us are like Naaman. Perhaps you have, you have been successful in your career. In your church, we, you get the respect that you need. You attended the University of Toronto, and perhaps you did the most hot course on campus. Law, 
or perhaps medicine. And in the church, not only in, the, in, 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 in school, your colleagues and your professors respect you because of your academic achievement. Are you with me? Are you following me? Are Canadians naturally calm? <laughs> yeah, because back home, you get amens for people to know you are following. Amen? So you went to Toronto, you, you, you got this degree, and you get respect from your professors and your fellow colleagues on campus. Not only that, people do respect you at church. And every parent told their kids, be like Angie, be like George, be like Daniel. So we, uh, we get those respect. But at times when we go home, and at times when we are at our own closet, we come to a realization that there is a particular leprosy that is eating us away. Perhaps it may be the addiction we spoke about this morning. And all, all of us, uh, we alone know the type of leprosy that is eating us away. We have been leaders of big organizations. It may be GCYC or GYC or allies. We have been at the front line of mission. We have, we, have, we, we have rejected certain positions and jobs so that we can be on fire for God. Our achievement in terms of the word of God is so evident. But friends, when we go to our closet, we come to a realization that though we are doing all these things, but yet there is a leprosy that is eating us away. And at times, like Naaman, because of this achievement, we cover up this leprosy. Because of this achievement, we cover up what is eating us away. Because of this achievement, we deny what is eating us away. All we like Naaman. The prophetess of God says in Bible Commentary, Volume 6, page 1, 1075 paragraph 7. She says, The new birth is a real experience in this age of the world. This is the reason why there are so many perplexity in the churches. Many, she says, so many who assume the name of Christ are unsanctified and unholy. It doesn't matter the position you hold in the church. They have been baptized, but they were buried alive. Self it did not die, and therefore they did not rise to the newness of life in Christ. What leprosy is eating you away? The prophet of God says, the faith I live by, page 333, paragraph 3. She says, every individual must realize his own necessity. The heart must be empty of every defilement and cleansed from the indwelling of the spirit. She continued to say, It was by confession and forsaking of sin, by earnest prayer and consecration of themselves to God, that the early apostles prepared for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The same work, she says, only in greater degree must be done now. 
Friends of God, if you ask me, how do we receive the latter rain? The first admonition I will say that we need to confess our sins and forsake it. So yes, Naaman was a captain of host of Israel. Yes, he still see his emptiness. Though Naaman was a great man in, in battle, yet he still see that he is weak. Though an honorable, getting all the respect from people, yet Naaman still see that he is filthy. Yet a mighty man of valor, Naaman still see that he is hopeless and he is in need of a savior and a healer. But friends of God, whenever we are in need of a savior, the savior is closer to us than we think. In the case of Naaman, God, the Savior, came to him through a little maid. So we read our Bible in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. The Bible says, The Bible says, And the Syrians has gone out by companies, and has brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were in the prophet that is in, this, in, in, in Samaria, for he will recover him of his leprosy. This little maid, this little maid amazes me a lot. This little maid was taken to captivity through the military plan and leadership of Naaman. Are you with me? This little maid, this little maid perhaps has been subjected to hardship and cruelty as a captive and as a maid. This little maid, this little maid has every right to, to reject his God for not loving and for rejection. To accuse his God for not loving and rejection. This little maid, this little maid has every right to have less faith or no faith at all in the God of Israel. Because if, this, if the God of Israel exists, how can he allow such a thing to happen to her? This little maid, this little maid has no interference about the family affairs of Naaman. Are you with me? As a slave, as a captive, you are here to serve and that is your duty. This little maid. This little maid is someone or supposed to be the last person who should even witness about God. Because a captive in someone's land who has left his country, a country that we believe is God leading, how can this little maid witness about God? So if ever there was someone who's supposed to witness about God, this little maid supposed to be the last person who should witness about God. But friends of God, when I see this little maid, I see my Savior Jesus in her. How can you show a compassion to a man whose military idea brought, into, brought you into captivity? How can you show a compassion to a man who is the number one enemy of your country? It's like Jesus showing a compassion to a world that has disobeyed and rejected him. This little maid, when I see this little maid, I see my savior. 
he believed in God and he believed what God can do irrespective of his situation and condition. As Jesus could not see at the portals of the tomb, he still believed that God is able. When I see the life of this little maid, I see the life of my Savior. This little maid, she led her life so well that a maid speaks and a mistress listens. Are you with me? It's like Jesus, even Christ, his enemy, loved the man. You know, you may disagree with him, but you can't, you can't ignore the fact that he is a nice man. <laughs> and it's only when we can live our lives so well that a slave speaks, mistress listens. This little maid. This little maid, what we don't know, put her life on the line for the salvation and the healing of her master. Because if Naaman has gone to Samaria or Israel and returned with his leprosy on him, I don't know what would have been the fate of this little maid. Are you with me? So she put her life on the line for the salvation of her master and for the healing of her master. It's like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends of God, if God can use this little maid to reach the heart of Naaman, I can assure you that if YCYC, we can avail ourselves, irrespective of how secular Canada is, I know God can use this movement as a means to reach Canada. If God can use this little maid as a means to reach Naaman, I can tell you that God can use us to reach our bosses at work. If God can use this little maid as a means to reach Naaman, if we avail ourselves, God can use us as agents of salvation at our workplace, at our schools, and at, as a secular environment as Canada. All he requires from us is a heart that is open and willing to obey. So, we turn to our Bible again as we study the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. Verse, we go to verse, um, verse 5, verse 4 to 5. So, Naaman has gotten the news, and the news was brought to Naaman in verse 4 and 5. The Bible says, And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid, that it is of the land of Israel, and the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I sent a letter unto the king of Israel, and he departed and took with him ten thousands of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten exchange of raiment. So what happened is that Naaman got ready to embark on a mission for healing, healing from his leprosy. Verse 6. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, now, when this matter is come unto thee, behold, I have, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Now, you may wonder why the letter was not sent straight into um, uh, what they call it, the prophet. But the letter was addressed to what? The king of Israel. What we don't know is that during that time, it was the king who controlled 
the prophets in the hidden land. Are you with me? So in the land of the hiddens, the kings control the prophet. And I think a classical example, a, a, a classic example is um, um, what happened with, um, uh, what do you call it, um, Nebuchadnezzar. He, control, he controls the, the, what do you call it, the wise men and all those other guys. So this letter was sent to the king. Now let's see. The king of Israel, which sit upon the, the, the throne of Israel, receiving this letter, what was the reaction of the king? Verse 7. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel has read the letter, and he rent his cloth and said, Am I God to kill and to, and to, uh, and to make a life this, that this man doeth send me to recover Recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore, consider, I pray you, that, he, that see how he maketh quarrel against me. So when the king of Israel received the letter, the letter that was written based on the fate of a maid in someone's land. When the king of Israel received the letter, he says, we are in trouble. Why? Because somebody... I've received a letter from a nation that just defeated us. And from that time, maybe the military force of Syria is so powerful than Israel. So when the king of Israel received this letter, he said, why is the king of Syria trying to make quarrel against me? So instead of seeing the good side of the letter, he did not see that. He saw the negative side of it. Now you have a maid who is in captivity. Believe and have faith that the God of Israel still liveth and has power to heal the leprosy of Naaman. Then you come to Israel, then you have a king who sits upon the throne of Israel, doubt or disbelieve that indeed the God of Israel can heal Naaman his leprosy. Friends of God, at times God as leaders has positioned us strategically so that he can use us for, for his cause and for the gospel. The decision we make as leaders will rather advance the gospel or glorify God or rather bring disgrace or forestall the work that has been committed to us. So the king rent his cloth. He was so dismayed. He only saw the bad side of it. He didn't see the, what, 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 what glory can, can, can we give God in all this situation. What can we see? What is the good side of Naaman's visit? The king did not see that. So he was waning and, and renting his cloth. Then the news got to the man. The news got to Elisha in verse 8. And the Bible says, and it was so. When Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his cloth, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy cloth? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So when Elisha heard that the king of Israel has received this letter and has rent his cloth, Elisha said, why has the king rent his cloth? Why has thou rent your cloth? Why are you dismayed because you didn't get admission to that school? 
Why have, I, have you rent your clothes? Because you have been laid off from that job. Why are we so dismayed? Why have you rent your cloth because you, you are not in a relationship? Perhaps our hard times, our difficult times, are times that God wants to glorify himself. And in all situations, we should see how, God can, how God's name can be glorified in all these situations. Wherefore hast thou rent your cloth? And Elisha said, let him come, then he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. You may not understand that. Maybe you said amen. Perhaps I need to draw your attention to that. You see, during the olden times, war or battle is between the gods of this nation and the gods of that nation. So if there's a war between Israel and the Moabites, it is a war between the God of Israel and the God of the Moabites. So since Syria and the defeat of Moabites, meaning is a defeat of what? The God of Moabites and the God of Moabites will be a dead God. So when you read carefully in the book of 1 Kings chapter 20 verse 3, look at what the Syrians are saying. In 1 Kings chapter 20 verse 3, the Bible says, And the servant of the king of Syria said unto them, Their gods are gods of the hills, therefore they are stronger than we. But let us fight them against, uh, fight them, against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than them. So they believed that the war at that time was the war between the god of this nation and the god of that nation. 1 Kings chapter 20 verse 23. 1 Kings chapter 20 verse 23. It means you are listening. Say amen. amen. 1 Kings chapter 20 verse 23. The Bible says, trying to establish the fact that in the olden time, battles are fought between the God of this nation and the God of that nation. It says, and the, king of, and the servants of the king of Syria said unto them, their gods are gods of the hills, wherefore they are stronger than we. But let us fight them against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than them. So when Elisha says, let him come, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel, is pretty much saying, let him come so that he may know that there is a God in Israel. Because if there is a God in Israel, there will be a spokesperson of God, which, who are the prophets. So when Syria has defeated Israel in the battle, at the street of Syria, the God of Israel is a dead God. And this is opportunity for God of Israel to prove to the man who led that battle that indeed the God of Israel is not a dead God, but a living God. Amen. That is why I'm saying that in all our situation, in all our condition, God has a greater and a better purpose for that. So Elisha said, let him come, and I will show him that indeed there is a God in Israel. So the Bible says, as I try to speed up, in verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots. That's I'm reading from verse 9. 
and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again unto thee, and thou shalt be clean. So when Naaman arrived at the gate of Elisha, uh, Elisha even didn't get up to meet this man. This man has traveled all the way from Syria to see somebody to heal. Then Elisha sent his servant, go tell him. And what I want you to tell him is that he should go wash and be clean. Friends of God, God is not a respecter of person. And no matter who you are, we have one problem and there's only one solution and that is Jesus. The problem is that we are sinners. The solution is that the solution is Jesus. I don't care whether you are African. I don't care whether you are Korean or First Nation, Second Nation. Whichever your <laughs> status in Canada is, God is not a respecter of person. He sees us as one. We are all sinners and we are in need of a savior. And it's so sad at times in our church we treat people better than the others. That is not the way of our God. Our God is not a respecter of person. He loves us all and he opens himself to us all. So the message to Naaman was simple. Go, wash, and be clean. The message of the gospel has always been simple. Go, wash, and be clean. At times it's it's like if you don't have a PhD or you can't understand Greek and Hebrew, you can understand the gospel. The message to Naaman was a simple message. Go, wash, and be clean. Go to Jesus in faith, trusting that he will forgive you. Wash your sins in his blood, and he will clean you from all your unrighteousness, and he will give you a new clothes to wear. Go, wash, and be clean. The gospel has always been easy. The gospel has always been simple. Go, wash, and be clean. But because we think we have advanced and we live in 21st century, these messages are too simple for us. We want something hard. We want something better. We want something more than go, wash, and be clean. But friends of God, I have a news for you. The gospel has not changed. It will never be changed. What Canada needs today is go, wash, and be clean. What Canada needed way back was go, wash, and be clean. That is the gospel. But you see, as I said, perhaps Naaman was a Canadian living in 25th century and go, wash, and be clean in Jordan was too simple a message for somebody who is a mighty man of valor, who has, has, has all these military plans and ideas, to just go wash and be clean was too simple. So let's see the reaction of this man. So verse 11, for 11 says, But Naaman was wrath. It's not good for um, a mighty man, an army man, to be angry. But Naaman was wrath. And, and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call the name of his Lord God, his, his, the name of the Lord is God, 
and strike his hand over the place and recover me of my leprosy. Naaman coming for healing has his own method as to how he should be healed. I thought he would come out, raise his hand in the air, in the name of Jesus, let your leprosy be healed. That is the idea that Naaman was having in mind. And friends of God, most of us are being swept away. And because of the fact that we watch these healing crusades and healing messages and these signs and wonders on televisions, and we say there is no spirit in this church. Because the church just preaches, go wash and be clean. Because the pastor just preached nothing but the word of God. But we don't want that. Naaman wants him to come off, show off, as we see in our television. Raise your hand for everybody to know you are the one doing the job and the one in charge. And touch my leprosy. Mention the name of your God and you shall be healed. That is what he was looking for. I want to caution us, especially when we are looking for revival and trying to look for how we can receive the latter rain. It is not about the noise. It is not about the shouting. It is not about the drums. It is a simple go, wash, and be clean that will prepare us to receive the latter rain. So he says, I thought this is what this guy would do. He will come and show off and do all these things. Now look at Naaman's, that is the heart of my message, verse 12. After saying that he should go and wash in Jordan and be clean. Naaman says, let me read from verse 11 for you to get it. But Naaman was wrath and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abena and Farpa, rivers of Damascus, better than all the rivers of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rain. Friends of God, it is true. Rivers of Abena and Farpa are better than rivers of Israel. Indeed, in the sight of men, these rivers are better and beautiful than Jordan. Rivers of Damascus, Abna and Farpa were pleasant and blossom. And their blossomness even caused people, I, I read a commentary, people even go there to bath in for healing at that time. <laughs> yes, it is true. The rivers of Abna and Farpa, they never get dry. They were blossom rivers. In the sight of men, if there is a water to wash in and be clean, the rivers of Abner and Farpa were way better than River Jordan. Naaman saw Jordan as small and disappointing. But friends of God, though Jordan may seem ugly and may not be as beautiful as you wanted, healing is in Jordan. Though Jordan may seem small and disappointing, there is salvation in Jordan. And we all need to wash him. Friends of God, as we are seeking for the latter rain, 
as we are looking for the revival and reformation, I want to caution you tonight. The first caution, we need to leave the worship style of Abana and Fafa alone. Yes, the worship style of Abana and Fafa may seem nice and attractive. We may say that it will even grow the church by bringing the young people in. Logically, the worship style of Abner and Farpa is way better than the worship style of Jordan. But friends, I caution you, I, I, I encourage you, and I admonish you to stick to the old primitive way of worship at Jordan. Because only that, we are sure that God will be with us. Don't go for the worship style of Abner and Farpa. Again, I want to caution you that do not consent to the theology of Abner and Farpa. The theology of Abner and Farpa may seem so nice as the rivers of Abner and Farpa were way better than Jordan. It may look attractive and some of the people will even convince you that this will be the best way to push the gospel forward. The theology of Abner and Farpa Established doctrine just based on logic, tradition, and the pressure from society. Perhaps it may be even be championed by people we respect in the church. But friends of God, since we want a revival, an old revival, revival of primitive godness, I want to caution you, let's stick to our old primitive way of theology that gave birth to this church. Let's stick to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to his word, because there is no light in them. This is the truth that brought the establishment of this church. And this is the truth that will take this church to be the church of triumphance. Let us leave the theology of Abner and Papa alone. And let us stick to the theology of Jordan. We need to leave the lifestyle of Abner and Papa alone. Inasmuch as we want to receive the latter rain. We need to leave the lifestyle of our dressing, the lifestyle of our diet, and the lifestyle of our entertainment of Abner and Papa. Let us leave that alone. And let us stick to the old way, the old truth God has shown us. Friends of God, I want to caution you again. Don't leave Jordan. Young people, Abner and Farpa may appear so attractive. We have been praying for the latter rain and we have not received in this church. Perhaps let us resolve to the beauty of Abner and Farpa. We saw them in the television and we see that indeed the spirit is moving. Because some of us associate spirit with noise. So we may be tempted to leave Jordan and go to Abner and Papa for the spirit. But friends, I want to admonish you young people. Don't leave Jordan. Jordan may seem disappointing. We may not have the bigger churches and the mega churches. We may even be renting place for worship in the place that you have you, you worship. But friends, don't leave Jordan, because there is salvation in Jordan, because there is healing in Jordan. 
Young people, don't be moved by the ways of Jordan. I know some of us, maybe we are at a point whether we are asking ourselves, are we indeed at the right place? Yes, we are. Am I saying Jordan is, is safe? Yes, it's safe. Am I saying Jordan there's no problem? No, I'm not. River Jordan may have crocodiles and crabs and scorpions. <laughs> are you with me? In it. It may be muddy. In it. In as much as we have so many hypocrites in the church, but I'm cautioning you, don't leave Jordan. Stay in Jordan. Why? Because there is healing in Jordan. But at the heart of the message, I want you to wash in Jordan today. Perhaps you have physically washed yourself by baptism. But there is still something, there's still a, a leprosy in you that is eating you away. And this evening, I want to throw the challenge to you. That if you can be bold and confess and forsake your sin. And come to Jordan and wash in Jordan. Based on the word of God, I can promise you that God will never deny us with his spirit. Amen. He will pour his spirit on us. Wash in Jordan. Because that is the only solution we have. And as I was studying, I realized that Jesus himself washed in Jordan. Not that our Savior needed to be washed from his sins. But our Savior needed to set an example for you and me. That not only being washed by water, but as well being baptized by his spirit. Of which, if we do, he will give us his spirit. Because the spirit was upon God. As the Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 18. John the Baptist did so much because the Holy Spirit was with him. And the apostles in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So if we want to receive the latter rain as they did, in the apostolic time, then we need to be baptized by the Spirit. And how can we be baptized by the Spirit? It's by coming to Jordan and saying, Jesus, I am sick and tired of this character. I've been using my achievement to cover it up, but now I want to come. I hear your welcome voice. And the voice is calling me to come, and I want to respond to that call. I want to let go whatsoever is holding me up for you to baptize me with your spirit. I'm coming. I know it's very humiliating. No seeing Naaman, the captain of host of Syria, standing at the banks of Jordan and looking at this muddy water, taking his clothes off, and going into it. He wished he wouldn't have done that. But that is the only way for him to be clean from his leprosy. 
At times, we need to take that cloth off so that we can see that the leprosy is getting worse and is eating us away. I don't know what is happening to you in your life. I don't know what is holding you back. I don't know the type of leprosy that is eating you away. But friends, you know, and you are aware of it. People don't see it because we are good of covering it up. But God is calling us today, YCYC. If you can humble your heart to me today and come to me with all your clothes off, with all your cover-ups, and open your life to me today, I will wash you. I will clean you and I will fill you with my spirit. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.